1: And 365 day returns.
0: This is Internet Marketing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 55 of Internet Marketing. The show where we give you the lowdown the inside information and the word from the experts to help you use the internet as part of your marketing machine internet marketing is brought to you by ai digital at www.ai-digital.com and in today's episode email campaigns blogging strategies and you can see a video of us recording this episode enjoy Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 55 of Internet Marketing, and I have with me on the line Mr. Kelvin Newman. Hello. And Mr. Daniel Rowles. Hello. And Daniel is speaking from a, from a very high-quality microphone today, aren't you, Dan? Want to tell us a little yeah, bit about I, I, it? Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm on the hop today, so uh, I've been caught out in-between meetings, so I'm recording on a, a beautiful iPhone microphone.
0: And it's quite
3: nice for me to ha- um, have the one that's not the worst-quality voice, um, you know, the worst microphone today, which is nice. I've started yeah,
2: it's made you see, Helen normally has the sexy voice and you're sounding a little sexier today so obviously yeah. that's the impact of the microphone
3: it comes free with the microphone oh, apparently so
0: now before we go into the juicy uh, bits and bobs um kelvin you've got uh, a little bit of news about uh bing yeah um it's the guys, Rupert
3: Murdoch, the guy behind News International, who owns Sky, um, the New York Times, I think it's the New York Times, and, you know, the Sun in the UK, the Times, own all those newspapers. He's, over the last couple of years, has been having a real sort of like public fight with Google. I mean, a lot of it's kind of in jest because they want to make money out of each other. And, you know, they're just all fun and games and business. But recently this week, it's come out that he's in negotiation with MSN, the owners of Bing, their search engine, about coming to some kind of arrangement whereby he blocks Google, you can't get to Google on um, on you know, you can't get to the Sun via Google, you can't get to the Times via Google but you can on Bing and um, Bing paying News International some money for this, which is kind of quite interesting because, you know, anyone can block Google to their site but very few people have said, actually I'm going to turn down that traffic and it's you know, it's one of their biggest sources of traffic, these newspapers, and say, no, I don't want it. I want to go with someone else because Google are stealing my content. So quite a bold move. Some reckon it's crazy, some think it's genius, but one way or the other, it, you know, it has quite a big potential impact on the publishing sector.
2: Well, it's, it's interesting from the point of view of the publishing world at the moment is really struggling because this whole idea of free content um, – And it's just, you know, somebody was going to have to make the first move sooner or later to start charging for content. And we've seen, you know, a few of the online magazines and newspapers doing that quite successfully. But to actually see a publishing organization as whole, um, to actually just say, right, we're not going to take Google traffic because we need to make money from our content production. So it's quite a bold move. I mean, the problem is that the the CPM, the cost per thousand rates for ads being placed by ad networks have gone down and down. Um, And we're actually finding at the end of the day that you know, if you're getting 20 pence per thousand views it's awfully hard to make a lot of money on your content so I can understand where it's coming from um, but it's also a bit of a case of being very careful of buying the hand that feeds you and the amount yeah. of traffic they're going to get
3: well there was a great um, Danny Sullivan the guy behind search engine land who you know if you're into search engine marketing you should follow him on Twitter and read search engine land he's an absolute genius but the, <clears throat> the way he put it was well I wonder if um, Google are then going to block all these journalists from those magazines using Google to do their research you know, you know it's, it's okay for them to not want Google to come there. But what about Google, them using Google to find out, you know, um, to write their stories? Because everyone uses Google to, you know, to, to research. And they don't charge them. And they don't make any money from it if they don't click on an advert. So an interesting way of sort of flipping that on their head there, I think.
0: I have yeah, seen a lot of toing and froing on the internet, actually, about this story. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how it pans out, won't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, if they, they, if they look at the amount of traffic that they're currently getting from Google, when they cut that off, they're going to have a serious gap to fill. So if they're doing anything in terms of online subscriptions, selling products, uh, selling advertising, CPM, um, cost per thousand, they are going to have a big gap to mm. make up. And I don't know if Bing are going to be able to drive that level of traffic through to them. So it'll be interesting mm. to see what happens.
3: But on the flip side, everyone's saying to all these big publishers, oh, you're not doing it right, you're not doing it right, you should do this. But they never actually give you a, you know, none of us ever give them a definitive answer to what they're doing. And if we knew what the answer was, we'd be go out go out and doing it ourselves and making a load of money. So at least I suppose they're doing something rather than just sort of like <laughs> letting themselves die because you know circulations of the the print is falling and they're not making enough money from the online to sustain the online how they're doing it so someone needs to do something whether that's you know a drastic reinvention or something like a deal like this so you know it's good that you know they're you know they've got the 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 balls as it were to do something about it
2: yeah i think it's i mean it's exactly the process i'm going through at the moment is you know working for a traditional publishing company that although it has a very successful magazine that's growing um art review is launching a whole host of websites and different digital products looking at different revenue streams to die and do that and it is actually putting money where your mouth is and actually doing that is a very hard thing to do so uh yeah very interesting
0: now dan Email marketing,
2: yeah, strategies. Well, it, it, it's something we haven't revisited for a while, and um,
0: we talked about it last month, Daniel.
2: Well, you know, I'm, I'm always. <laughs> so what about I'm meant
0: is something we haven't revisited for at least thirty days. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's just the fact that we didn't really look into the kind of. Uh, no, that's true. We didn't look at the practical stuff, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because I, I, the I run the um, email marketing course for the Chartered Institute of Marketing, and it's becoming more and more popular again. And I was trying to work out why is it that it's becoming more popular. And I think the bottom line is with email marketing is that if you do it well, it'll have one of the best returns on investment of any of the digital marketing you'll do. And I kind of, uh, I'll, I'll really swear to that one. Yeah, yeah. But if you do it badly, you'll get nothing from it. So it's one of those things that you need to just follow a bit of best practice. Um, and I just wanted to talk about some of the stats that people on average have been getting in terms of open rates, how many people are opening their emails, uh, click-through rates, how many people are clicking through. Um, and then just talk about some tools that I've kind of discovered recently and some new techniques for doing things. So, I mean, just to kick things off, I'd be interested to hear from um, any listeners out there what their average open rate and their average click-through rate for email campaigns are. I mean, looking across all industries, if you roll it through, and this is from about five different sources, if you're getting about a 20% open rate and about a 10 to 15% click-through rate, you're probably around the best, best practice level. Now, you could argue that day in, day out, and it it does very much depend on different campaigns for different industries. But one of the things I really noticed is there's some real nice, basic, easy things to do that will take up that open rate and hopefully the click-through rate quite significantly. So um, first of all, open rate, getting people to open your email up in the first place. One of the key most important things is your subject line what you're actually writing in your subject line, because we all take less and less time trying to work out if an email is spam or if it's real email, and we're a lot less tolerant. If anything looks slightly like spam, we're deleting it. So when you send out a subject line, you're relying on that an awful lot of the time amongst some other factors to get your email opened. But what most people won't do is do any subject line testing. So trying out different versions of a similar subject line and actually seeing what impact that has on the open rate. And a lot of people put it down to the fact that well, my email system doesn't support kind of variance testing and all those kind of things, so it's not easy to do. But actually, there's a really simple way of doing it. So just a bit of practical advice. If, for example, you have got 5,000 emails on your list, or it may be 500, or it might be 50,000, whatever it is, if you split it into five, so you take five groups of 1,000, what you do is the first 1,000 you send out with one subject line, The second thousand, you send out with a slightly different subject line, a slight variation on that. Don't change anything else. Leave the offer, the copy, the tone of voice, all those kind of things the same. Look at the results for those two sets of a thousand emails, and one will have a better open rate than the other. And generally, you can put down that open rate to the subject line being different. Now you need to make sure that they're sent at the same time of day, on the same day of the week, um, to a hopefully similar audience which you should be if you just randomly broken down your list. Yeah. So from that open rate, which everyone's got the best for open rate, what you then do is send it out to the other 3,000 people on the list. So what you're not doing is just splitting your list in two and trying two do different things and trying to learn for it from the next campaign. You're actually getting something from a percentage of your campaign and then making sure you maximize that for the rest of the list. So... We're looking at that and testing that for a few different places. You should get at least a 2 or 3% increase in open rates by doing that, which is pretty significant. And we've seen differences up to about 17%, 20% just by changing a single word. So really worth testing out. has a big impact in terms of how people are opening things, and it's really simple to do, and you can do it in pretty much any email system. The other thing to look at is how you then track your data for your email campaigns. Because a lot of people... Uh, haven't realized, in Google Analytics, if you don't set up any tracking particularly for your email campaigns, you'll find that it shows up in Google Analytics as direct traffic, as if somebody's just typed in your web address and gone straight to your website, not through a search engine, not through anything else. So it actually ends up looking like you, you can't differentiate your email traffic from the rest of your traffic. So the way of doing it is to set up a campaign in Google Analytics, and if you do a search on the word Google Analytics campaign URL builder, which is a bit of a mouthful, um, there is a URL builder for Google Analytics. And what it will do is it will take whatever links you're putting into your emails and it just appends, adds onto the end some URL variables. And Google can identify those as saying this is an email campaign. Then what you can actually do is separate out what traffic's coming from search pay-per-click, natural search, and what's coming from email campaigns, and you can start to analyze what results you're getting from those email campaigns really easily to separate in Google Analytics. Uh, And it's a a nice, simple way of doing things.
0: So this is an extension to Google Analytics, is
2: it, Dan? Well, it's been in there for a while. It's just that most people haven't really picked up how to use it. So you've got this tab under traffic sources that says campaigns, and it's generally always empty. But what you need to do, um, and it's not obviously apparent in the kind of initial notes for Google Analytics – is that you need to change the URL so you can track. Now, you can do this with anything. You can can track any source of traffic by changing the URL people link to, but it's particularly useful for email campaigns. Mm. It's not that fiddly to do. Once you've got it set up, you just put those links into your email. Anybody clicking on them will show up in your Google Analytics as being from a particular email campaign. But you can obviously set up two different campaigns for two different versions of the same email.
0: I mean, I I use Aweber, and I mean, I'm sure Aweber is is the same as a lot of list managers' um, Mm. online systems. And, I mean, that will automatically track links. But I suppose the nice thing about this is it's bundled in with the Google Analytics, isn't it? Yeah, it's really important because then what...
2: Yeah, exactly, and you can track through... They've come from email, but do they go (laughs) through to purchase? And you can Mm. track through what's the quality of my natural search traffic versus my email traffic. And it gives you some indication to work out how much you should be spending on di- each of your different kind of tactics that you're using mm. because if all the traffic that you're getting from pay-per-click for example isn't actually converting into business well let's cut spending there and put it into email or vice versa i'm not suggesting it be the way but mm. you need to look at each tactic individually and work out what return you're getting for each unique user so you know if you drive uh, a thousand unique users using email what does that equate to in business so you can actually see them in the same place, and it gives you a useful kind of benchmark for how you're doing. And to compare two separate email campaigns, this subject line obviously drove a lot more traffic than this one did, but also this one converted into a lot more business. Mm. So we're not just looking at traffic now. We're actually starting to look at what happens to that traffic when it comes onto the, the website. Because you can get a ton of traffic from an email campaign, but it may not be working. Sure. So one of the things to think about then is you can do the best email campaign in the world, but if your landing pages and your website let it down, you can drive all this traffic say, yeah, we've got lots of visits, but if the visits don't convert into and it's not a good. So what you want to then do is look at your landing pages for your email campaign, so the pages people are being driven through to, and just look at the bounce rates for those pages. So now, the bounce rate is someone when somebody enters and exits on the same page. So they've come in and they just disappear off on the same page. Now, mm-hmm. if that was a, um, a contact page, that might be okay because they might have found your telephone number, It's fulfilled the purpose of the page, and they pick up the phone and hopefully phone you. But just be very aware of your bounce rates on your landing pages. And if you want to make all of this, all the things we've been talking about, an awful lot easier, one of the key things to do is if you go to try out a piece of software that I am evangelizing about, and I think I mentioned it last week, MailChimp. Um, So it's MailChimp.com. What that's actually got is automatic insertion for these Google campaign URLs, So it will automatically generate those for you so you don't need to worry about going off to the Google Analytics URL builder. Um, It will also give you some additional analytics, but the really really nice thing it does, it does variance testing automatically. So you can do two versions of an email with different subject lines, different headings, anything like that. It will send them out, automatically generate the campaign URLs for Google Analytics, and you can really easily see you're getting back from each of those campaigns in one simple interface in MailChimp. And I've been testing out MailChimp for the last couple of weeks, and it is absolutely fantastic. It's the it's one of the best bit of email software I've ever used. Brilliant. So
1: small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustolium's new custom spray five-in-one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you
0: in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight
2: loss. Yeah, I wish I'd look at And the other one that goes in with that is SurveyMonkey by the same company. And as are you they're the same so company?
3: I assume they were, but I never yeah. knew for
0: definite. It's yeah.
2: well, the well, monkey well, link, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'm assuming they're the same company as well. They are definitely connected in some way because they're linking into each other's sites. Um, and the monkey had made me assume the same thing as well. But something quite interesting that I've tried out recently is when you're collecting data about people, when you get them to sign up for an email, you don't want to ask for too much information. Just ask for the basics because then you're not putting a barrier to them signing up. So you keep it minimal. Then what you want to do is gradually collect information about your users so you can give them more tailored and segmented content. So what are their interests? uh, When are they looking at buying? What products are they looking at? What sectors are they interested in? Now, the best way of doing that is by doing surveys. So you email out a survey to all of your users and say, please fill in this survey. Question one may be something that's useful to you. So it may be to find out what their particular interests are. But the other two, three, maybe four questions that are in there and try not to go beyond five questions if you want a quick response, are sector-specific, so working out what's going on in a particular sector. Then what you can do is you can compile those results, and in exchange for filling in the survey, people get access to all the results and everyone else that's sent in. So you can compile the stats and say, in our industry at the moment, one of the most pressing issues is this. This is because of, and you can compile people's results. So it collects some data for you, but by collecting the rest of the data, you can encourage people to actually fill the survey in in the first place,
3: and you but can do all kinds of great SEO stuff with that as well, Danny. I mean, we've done a, yeah. f- a f- site visibility, you know, with our SEO clients. There's a couple we've done some surveys with recently, and it's worked brilliantly. I mean, yeah. one hasn't quite come off yet, but it might still do by the time it goes live. That we're, We think we might get some national news coverage out of this, where it's kind of we've taken a survey that they've done with their client and kind of taken and extracted some of that data to something that's interesting. And this one, it was kind of political. So it was there was a question about, you know, which political party supported blah, 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 and all that kind of thing. And there's some great coverage you can get out of that just from normal PR perspectives. But find bloggers who are covering that topic. If you say to them, oh, we've done the survey and we know that, you know, 70% of, you know, um, art collectors hate the winner of the tape, you know, the tape, um, sorry, the, turn a price price. yeah yeah Yeah. and that's a great bit of news isn't it if you then go to art bloggers and say well yeah you know there's some great links you can get off the back of that kind of insight you get from surveys i mean i'm we've used it quite a bit at site with clients but i just think it's a great thing to do now and i I, I would like to it for everyone because there's in every sector there's five or six interesting you can go in with the 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 result you want to get and then set up a question that will help you find that so it's like okay well maybe if you're working in the internet sector, you know, you know if people are talking about Google versus MSA, um, Microsoft, there's going to be some interesting results like that. So asking them questions that you know is going to lead to an interesting result is a great way. And it fits in great with what you're saying about prioritizing the list and all that kind of thing as well.
2: Yeah, and I think the great thing is that you're collecting data about your user, you can get some, some interesting results to cause some search and some online PR. But also, if you make that paper, once you've got it only available for people that sign up to it, you can then use it for collecting more email data. So, th- there's a few different ways you can use it. So, I definitely have a look at that. Um, have a look at MailChimp and uh, just uh, see what you can do with email marketing just to improve those open rates and improve those click through rates. And please, please, please um, email in. So, you're going to email me on this one uh, at TargetInternet.com. Uh, let me know what open rates and click-through rates you're getting in your emails, and we'll uh, we'll compile some stats from that.
0: Some great information there, Dan, on uh, the latest trends in email marketing. Let's move on then to, because uh, Calvin's got a nugget for us as well, haven't you, Calvin? Uh, blogging strategies for 2010 this is just a process we went through on the
3: site visibility blog last year that i at the beginning of um 2009 which i thought was really really effective for us and making our our corporate blog work well and i think it's something that the listeners could roll out on their blogs you know and do quite similar so it's just a process to go through and it would work equally well for any kind of social media content you're creating say for a podcast or for videos or any of these kind of things but too often we kind of go okay we're going to do a blog and then just get on with it and write a post when we're inspired to do it and do all these kind of things which is you know good because you're producing the content but unless you've got an idea and a plan behind that quite often you can find that you lose your way or you don't really get the real value of it so it's just a couple of steps that if you've got a corporate blog um that you're doing on behalf of your company this is just some good things i recommend doing for as we move into 2010 and we're coming to the end of the year it's good to plan forward so it always, to me, seems, you know, when people talk about mission statements, I always think it's a little bit David Brent and, you know, apprentice styles type stuff. It's a little bit cringy. But I actually think if you think about what your blog or your podcast mission is, you know, that that's really important to do. And then that helps you decide what should be on the blog and what shouldn't be on the blog. So like, for example, on the site of visibility site, we want to illustrate the power of corporate blogging to our clients, our colleagues within the team, and the industry as a whole. So kind of we want to walk the walk as well as talk the talk, you know, so we need to do this. But whatever your blog should be, it's kind of maybe it's establish yourself as a personal voice separate to the company, or maybe it's um, illustrate new product launches in the sector, and, you know, whatever those missions are. But I think it really helps to think about that and write it down. Um, because yeah. if you don't do that, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to hold yourself to it. So that's something you've done, Daniel. I think it's, well, I, I it's think a good the,
2: idea. The key thing is to thinking about what value you're providing at that point as well. So rather than saying, I want to make money from my blog, so I'm going to get loads yeah. of traffic, it's really saying, What value, what's the mission, the, the value you're going to provide to people? And I think if you approach it from that point of view, you're much more likely to actually build. Um, a kind of a subscriber base of people that are going to read on a regular basis. So I think yeah, it is important to work that out at the beginning who are you actually trying to help and and what are you going to achieve and what value are you going to provide to them.
3: Yeah, and the next step I go through is kind of having a vision. So that kind of follows down from the mission. It's probably a little bit more involved. So maybe it's kind of got a little bit of a kind of a bit more objective kind of side to it. So for us, it's we wanted to be you know one of the. That well, the you know you always put the in there even if you're not necessarily going to be the but the most respected blog from a UK search marketing agency and it's you know that's not necessarily an easy one to judge and you you move on to ways that uh, you can measure it but that's what we want to achieve so the the mission is kind of okay what do you want to do but here's kind of a way of kind of getting a suss on that so for us it's we you know we'd like to be the UK's most respected blog from a UK agency within the nma list of seo agencies so it's quite a big ambition for us and you know it's one that we're kind of moving towards and it might not necessarily be something you achieve that year but that's kind of where you want to be getting to so that's you know my next step that i was doing write that down that's a little bit more involved maybe a paragraph or so, so that's um, more like goals, isn't it it's, uh, kelvin it's, it's more detailed yeah. it's
0: more goal like for the sound of it
3: yeah and then off the back of that i come up with some objectives and that's things you need to measure yourself against so maybe you want to obtain a certain number of subscribers or maybe you want to get a certain number of links. Or my main measurement I use for our site VizBlog, blog is there's a newsletter produced by Search Engine Land, and every day they collate the best news in the world of search. And I, I you know, so my point is, I want to, you know, be featured in there you know, a certain amount of times in a year. And I'm counting that and keeping track of it because for me, that's a measurement of a good post. If, you know, Danny Sullivan, Barry Swartz and all the people there think the post is good, you know, from my point of view, that's a, you know, a job well done. So, but you need objectives there. So maybe that's, you kind of want to get X amount of subscribers or maybe people signing up for an email or just, you know, whatever it is, make it, you know, the old smart objectives as it were. You know, so it's, you know, measurable, you know, realistic, all those kinds of things and with a time deadline as well. On there, that's really good. But then you need to go and do some strategies of what's going to help you achieve that. So in our case, I kind of wanted to hit a 1,000 subscribers. So what I did was I looked at the data over the last couple of years that our post frequency and how often we posted had a real direct correlation with how much our um, subscribers went up. So if we were posting twice a day, we saw a 205% increase in subscribers a month. If we did daily, it was 53% a month. Um, you know, if we, so if we posted twice a day, it went up by 205%. If we posted daily, it went up by 53% three times a week was 15%, then once a week, nine. And then twice a month, had 7.6. So I then knew that, you know, these are only averages, but they're pretty good guess that I know if we keep up the quality that we've done previously, but kind of do this, I can make an adjustment of, you know, how many we needed to do. Mm. And the idea for that was that, you know, if we, you know, do the, um, you know, um, twice, a, twice a month, that'd be plenty to hit the goal that we were aiming for there. So we've not always kept to that, but that's kind of a pretty good strategy for like, okay, we're going to do that particular thing there that's going to, um, achieve yeah. that so that was the next thing and then finally you've got your actions so that's what you're actually going to do so is that you know okay I'm going to write this post or I'm going to contact this person at a guest interview or I'm going to you know um, write this white paper or I'm going to write this video or whatever it is that's the things you need to do that are really specific and stuff that you can broken down that you can make a start on because the problem is when you make these to-do lists if it's like start a podcast you know that you're never going to do that as a thing whereas instead what you want it to do is Find a podcast hosting, or mm. buy a microphone, or whatever it is. That's or buy really my book, that, yeah, or, or buy Andy's book. <laughs> Podcastingunleashthebook.com. dot com. Sorry, I just
0: uh, I just fell out. Sorry, you
3: can't that. help yourself, can you? No, no. But anything like that that's a kind of a specific thing that by doing that you move one step closer towards achieving it. That's what you need with your actions. And if you've got each of these, one thing we did, which I felt was really good, is you then post it up on your blog or email it to your friends or do something that by making it public, you then have to hold yourself to it. So you know that that's kind of my tips for you know pushing a blog really over 2010.
2: Just one, one thing to add on that as well. There's a great video post on Timothy Ferris's, uh blog, which is 4hourworkweek.com. Um, and this video is basically how to create a high-traffic blog without killing yourself. So it's saying you don't need to post every two hours. And what he's done, he's really cleverly gone in and analysed all his stats, exactly what Kelvin was talking about, and trying to work out what is the optimum... Posting frequency, where what kind of topics are the most popular? Where on the page should you have your most popular, and all those kind of things? So, if you want some really good, tied down, tested stats on that—the kind of thing Kelvin was talking about—go to the fourhourworkweek.com. Um, you'll have to have a dig because it was a bit of a, uh, um, it was a, a few, a few posts back, but have a look on each one on how to build a high traffic blog without killing yourself.
0: I shall find that and put the link on the show notes. Cool, and the, the, the principle of that holds
3: for anything really. So, it's you know, if it's a podcast, if it's YouTube videos, it's anything you're doing online really have that plan and i think you know the actions everyone can get caught up in okay i'm gonna do this next i'm gonna do that next which is good but know what you're trying to achieve and state that somewhere because if you don't then it can kind of end up being a bit you know woolly and then you never quite know where you're getting to and how near that you are
0: fantastic advice that's fantastic so we should all be blogging and really going for it with our blogs in 2010 well no nigh straight away not 2010 i would say there was, there was two things I wanted to, uh, to cover,
3: Andy, actually. One is kind of just a, you know, we've had some nice feedback via uh, you know, I, um, the IMPC hashtag and people sending us emails and leaving comments on the site of his blog. That's brilliant. But I wanted to ask a favor of our listeners that um, I hope they might be able to do. One is, I know a lot of you listen to us via iTunes, um, and there's one thing you can do on iTunes, which is leave a review and leave a star rating and leave feedback there. Oh, yes, and that's really good, for, it's really good for us because it means we can see our... Oh, you know are people enjoying it did they enjoy it then do they enjoy it more now but i think it also helps us on itunes as well so if you're really enjoying the podcast or even if you're not and you've just got some you know less positive or you know you know indifferent feedback it'd be great if you could leave us a rating on itunes because you know it helps us and it helps other people who are looking at the podcast in itunes decide whether it's a good podcast or not so if you've got anything to say on that that would be brilliant if you listen via itunes so and if you do um, you'll be my best friend ever and i'll buy you a beer if i see i'm writing
0: right? a comment on itunes then <laughs>
3: I'm also trying to get the, the people, um, you know, my bosses to let us go fortnightly as well because we have some really good feedback that people mm-hmm. like the idea of going fortnightly. So there's some, I'd really like to do that. We'll see if it'll happen in a new year, fingers crossed. But, you know, maybe do some nice roundtable things is what I'd like to do there. We get, you know, it's really nice to, you know, the more of us we have on this podcast, the more interesting it is.
0: Hey, maybe so we can I, get some I'd, listeners on.
3: Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, anyone yeah. like that that would really like to get involved, that'd be brilliant, you know, because the, you know... As much as, you know, we like to know our stuff, we know that the listeners out there know, know huge amounts of stuff. So if we can share that with everyone, that'd be brilliant.
0: And other exciting news is I have actually videoed this entire recording so you can see my ugly mug on YouTube. <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, you can get, unfortunately, I'm not on there, but, I, you know, you don't want to see my face really, do you? <laughs> uh,
0: they probably do. I'll ruin the suspense of what I look like. Then, though. That's the <laughs> right well guys thank you so much so it's goodbye from daniel
2: goodbye everybody it's
0: goodbye from kelvin goodbye and it's goodbye from me have a great time see you soon Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Now, we would really like to hear from you, so if you have any questions or comments, send them to info at ai-digital.com, and feel free to send in MP3 files as well, and we'll play them. If you're a subscriber, we'd like to thank you for your valuable time. If you haven't subscribed yet and you'd like this show delivered to your earbuds automatically, you can find Internet Marketing on iTunes. Just search under the Business and Marketing and Management categories. Or you can find us at FeedBurner at feeds.feedburner.com slash academyim. We'd also encourage you to leave comments on iTunes. Well, this is Andy White signing off. Wishing you the best until we see you next time on Internet Marketing.
1: Only from Rustolium. Hey, welcome to the Next Wave podcast. Consider us your chief AI officer in your business.